With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Ray and I'm delighted to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello. And by Ian Cheeseman. You all right? And both of you had the pleasure... Shall I say the pleasure last night? Oh, of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of going to... But it's always a pleasure for you, Cheesy, isn't it? Watching City on the road. And Absolutely. We'll but, get onto that maybe why you enjoyed it. Yeah, a, yeah. A bit yeah. later in the podcast. But it was maybe a difficult game. Um, one of those... From the outside, lots of fans were saying Burton away 9-0 up. A difficult one to get excited for. But I know lots of people... I know someone... Um, I know lots of people... Sounds like a bad boast, doesn't it, actually? But uh, I know someone here who works here, Chris Slater, on the news desk said that he was leaving at 10 a.m., to head to Burton because he was so excited. He said it was the most excited he's ever been for a City game in years. And were you equally excited despite the the game almost being over, null and void? Or? Uh, I don't think I was excited to that level. I mean, I'm always um, you know excited about going to watch a game because that's what I do. That's what my life has been since I was a little lad. Um, I did meet a, a fan who's I know he's on well over a thousand consecutive games called Sean, who's from uh, from Failsworth, so he's, he's obviously a, a diehard supporter and. And he expressed something like the, the the sentiment you're saying from Chris in that, you know, I'm, I, I came early, I'm savouring every minute of it. He was taking pictures from every single angle because it was a new ground. And to a lot of people, uh, going to a new ground to watch their club uh, might seem sort of odd or sad to, to non-aficionados but to those people and I, I'm sort of one of them really um, it, it means a lot um, that's the sort go, of you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't deny it um, I mean I've been to Burton before so it wasn't a new ground in that sense I'd seen it I knew what the layout was I knew what to expect but it was still a new ground for City now it, that doesn't bother me as much as perhaps it bothers some other people I mean we had a friend of ours who travelled with us who had never been to Burton or seen City there before so what is there to do in Burton other than the football do you not see a lot not a lot I mean we got there early and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that, that. I think there are a few City fans who are doing a bit of sampling judging by the, <laughs> enjoying the, the local the delicacies last night. to be fair Stuart told me a story because uh, you know ahead of the game I was like to pick intelligent people's brains but I couldn't find one <laughs> so I was talking to Stuart and uh, and he was telling me the, the, the story have you told the story publicly before no. do you want to tell the story is it, is it's your to. story. Not over much, no, but it's just the. Uh, I try and make it as quick as I can, but the same we, we got, going, going for Burton comes from Burton because it was famous for breweries. Uh, and the, like the Spitfire pilots and Hurricane pilots in the war used to, uh, when, when they had to ditch in the sea, they used to say, uh, he's gone in the drink or he's gone for a drink. It was just like that black humour, you know, about somebody actually uh, drowning or get, having to ditch the plane in the sea. And because Burton's beer was everywhere. It was like, you know, beer that was drunk during the war almost invariably came from Burton. So so Burton's ales were quite famous. And uh, they started saying, so he's going for a drink, they said he's going for a Burton. He's gone for a Burton. So I'm told that's where it comes from. So there you go. Educational. That's what we, we do it all on this podcast. I did check. We? I did double check it on uh, it? Google, not to text Stuart for his, uh, his word. Oh yeah, that's and how much is, you trust him. And he is right. So, you know, if you can Google it yourself. So uh, on that basis, uh, I actually Where went to one I of the. Got it from? <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to one of the pubs and um, you know, as a bit of research and talked to a few city fans, and uh, they were all surprised to learn. Even the even the uh, the guy who was the landlord of the the pub, the beach where they all went, didn't know about it. It. So there you go. I indicated them all. And Thanks, you got, to Stu. Got to pass it off as your own knowledge. Correct. That's what I like. <laughs> of course, um, Stu. On the game yourself, did you find it a bit peculiar going to the game like that, knowing that the score was irrelevant, really? Yeah, but this, this is it's rarely a game where there's not an element of interest. And of course, the interest was all around the fact that Pep was going to bring young players in, and it's always really interesting to see, young, especially when you watch the young lads playing in the academy, playing in the the under 18s, under 21s, under 23s. And in the youth league, you always want to see how they make that step up, how they cope with that. And that was the big interest, really, last night. You know, it was... Uh, 
it was. I mean, the city fans were clearly enjoying it. I mean, I, I spoke I spoke to city fans who said that they were looking forward more to going to Burton than they do to European aways. <laughs> Because it's a little bit of it's like this is where we've come from and this is where we might still still be if it hadn't been for the, the fact that the club got on its feet. I mean, people talk about the oil money and all that nonsense, but the fact is the club was back on its feet before that. You know, thanks to uh, you know David Bernstein and his board and and Joe Royal and, and those players. John Wardle, um, let's make sure he John, gets a John mention. John Wardle, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to name check them all, at the <laughs> but you know they they got the club back on its feet and they 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 sort of give it a footing from which um, the takeover became possible. And then, you know, it's been lift off ever since then. Uh, so, you know, that was a little bit of a, a reminder of where City City were. I mean, they, I can't use the actual champ because it's, there's, a, there's a rude word involved. I'm not allowed to say rude words at the evening news. But they were singing, it was made me chuckle actually because they were singing at the Burton fans, where were you when we were not, not so very good. good? And, uh, you know, that, that sort of works on so many levels, that mm. champ, you know. <laughs> And uh, it, it, it was that sort of fed into that kind of thing, you know. That was the kind of game that City would have been playing as a relegation decider, you know, yeah. um, 25 years ago. Um, but here they were, nine nil up from the first leg and going to Wembley again, and uh, everyone everyone had a good time. The Burton fans were great as well. I mean, it's, it's a smashing little club, and uh, they really they really pushed the boat out and tried to make everyone feel welcome uh, Nigel Clough even brought his dog to the press conference which was uh, which was good fun so yeah it was a good night and it was good to see the young lads picture was a bit iffy which didn't really help matters I don't think I don't think people felt particularly secure in the footing and it's hard to play good football when you're uh, when you're worried about doing an injury or, or slipping over and uh, making a fool of yourself but uh, you know it was it was it was better than you might expect yeah and interesting we'll come on to the pitch and some of the younger players later but also maybe the credit doesn't get deserved but Pep Guardiola named a very strong side given given the fixture Ian um, were you pleased to see that he had that much respect for his opponents still yeah and I was surprised like most people were that Sergio Aguero started the game and Gabriel Jesus came off the bench to replace him so they both played some part in the game I thought he might have started with Felix Nemecha up front and uh, you know completely gone with a more of a youthful feel but it was that it was that balance between not disrespecting the Burton fans who'd you know this was the biggest game probably in their history certainly in terms of achievement rather than you know you might argue if they were in some sort of relegation battle that was a bigger game for them but but this was the biggest game they never reached a major semi-final like that before and I talked to a few Burton fans who were delighted to be able to see players like Kevin De Bruyne who who played 60 minutes in that game as well uh, and and I think he got it right I think he absolutely got it right I mean obviously if somebody got injured if De Bruyne had gone down slipped on the pitch um, Pep would have got slaughtered by certain elements of the City fans and saying well why did he ever play but now it's all done and it's and it all worked out um, I think it, it proves to have been the right decision and I'm sure we're going to talk about the young players individually and how they did but the one player that actually I was more interested in watching than anybody else was Kevin De Bruyne now he he played that Pep said at the press conference before this game um, and it it sort of almost sounded like it was hidden in a bit of sort of Catalonian accent and and people didn't necessarily pick up on it but when people were trying to squeeze the team out of him he said um, there will be one player somebody said uh, will you be playing round pegs in round holes and all that sort of stuff and he said well there'll be one player who'll be not in his natural position and I wondered who that might be and then when we saw the team play it was obviously he was talking about Kevin De Bruyne because Kevin De Bruyne likes to play in the centre circle in that attacking role call it a 10-8 whatever you want to call it spraying the ball around forward vision and instead he was playing in that position where Fernandinho plays which is all about 360 um, vision knowing what's behind you receiving the ball with players closing you down from behind all these sorts of things which is a very tough position and a very specialist position and I, I wonder how Kevin De Bruyne would deal with that and I suspect that's why part of the reason anyway why Pep played him there to see if in the future City get to a 
quarter-final, semi-final of the Champions League, they're playing Barcelona or something, and Fernandinho isn't available, who do I put in that position? And obviously he's got different options. He could play Gundogan. We saw Kevin De Bruyne play there. He's even tried Fabian Delft, Zinchenko. There's different options. And I was curious to see how it would go. And I'll be honest with you, although Kevin De Bruyne hasn't really got back to the form he had pre-injury yet, um, in that position, I didn't think it suited him at all. Um, You know, he was slightly occasionally being caught in possession and I thought that was because he wasn't aware of the specialist nature of, of that. So it was an interesting experiment, but going forward, if City were in one of those big games where Fernandinho wasn't available, I wouldn't probably play, even though before the game I might have thought, "Mm, Kevin De Bruyne could probably play that. I'm not completely convinced he he can now. That's not me having a go at Kevin De Bruyne, because he's a wonderful player, but it is a specialist position, and and that's what I learned from that last night. Yeah, I believe he has played in a similar, not the exact role, but a deeper role for Belgium um, under Roberto Martinez, and like you said it is a different role, and for me personally I don't like it because I think he's so good going forward that I'd rather see him further up the pitch because those bursts of energy where he leads the front line and then you've already got I mean Fernandinho you want him playing every week that's the that's the be all and end all and that's why he was so good I think last season De Bruyne because he did maybe have that freedom and that insurance policy to attack but I don't think Pep did that because he was thinking this might be the way forward or no, we don't need just... to sign a reply it was what what if and yeah. here's a chance for me and to experiment hit, and also I suppose it allowed uh, Kevin De Bruyne not to have to charge around because it's probably more <laughs> it sounds like I'm going to go up Fernandinho now I don't but it's perhaps more en- energetic role that KDB normally plays in and I thought I wondered if he also had in his mind Pep that by sitting him in front of the back four KDB could expend less energy and just sit and spray but it doesn't work like that it doesn't of course, work of course like he that. came up with a pass that made the goal up as well which uh you got to sort of take into account. Oh, yeah, I, I've yeah. always thought that De Bruyne is the best bet for that position when Fernandinho isn't there. And I'm, I'm amazed that it hasn't been done before. I know the reason. You why still share that view though after that, that six yeah, minutes. Yeah, because it was just one game. It was on a it was on a bad pitch. I suspect given his injury, given fit. his injury record and the fact he isn't hundred percent, we we can see that. I suspect he he went at it half cock. He didn't really he didn't put everything into it. He's just true. Thought, true. I'm going to make sure to get through this game. Why why would I go all out and uh, risk having another injury after everything I've been through when mm. uh, I don't need to? I mean, I didn't from the first leg, so I suspect that, that sort of fed into it. Uh, I, if I remember rightly, you talked about him playing for Belgium, rich yeah. in that position. I, I think he he perhaps had a bit of a pop up. Roberto Martinez for playing in yeah. that position as well. His side loves Roberto Martinez more than anyone here, but he's not here today. But yeah, yeah. I seem to recollect there was some. Yeah, I, I don't think he was overly happy with it, as I remember. In which case, you kind of think, well, will he be happy with Pep playing him there? But I think it's a different matter because you know, perhaps perhaps Belgium were looking to play him in that role permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, because they've got other players to play where he normally plays, whereas City wouldn't. You know, City would only do that if Fernandinho's missing um, so I, I think he'd perhaps recognise that and uh, take it on board that he's he's doing it for the team uh, I've, I've often thought I, I I know what Ian's saying you lose something of his dynamism and he's and like you said you know getting forward and, and creating things in the final third if you're playing that, in that deeper position but I, I've always thought that as he gets older and he starts, his legs start going a little bit. That I think he'll end up playing that position anyway, where he'll be because he's got such a great pass on him. I think he'll end up like a quarterback at yes. City or wherever he ends up. You know, just sort of not having to dash up and down the pitch and, and do everything. He'll just sort of be the one who gets the ball and looks up and picks picks passes here, there, and everywhere. Um, I think he's more than capable of doing it, um, but he doesn't need to at the minute. Yeah, and of course that would maybe in the Champions League game if you were chasing it, you could have De Bruyne deep, you could have Bernardo and David Silva in midfield still. So there would be, I guess, the benefits of having De Bruyne in that role means you got another attacking player you could play as well if they if they needed it in a particular game. But another player I know you want to discuss as well, Ian uh, Phil Foden played the game. Um, as we were saying before we came on air, not everyone noticed him for for some chunks of the game. Um, it was a, maybe a missed opportunity because he started against Burton. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, I take into account what Stuart's saying. The pitch was dodgy and it did deteriorate as it went along and it was a strange game because City were already through effectively and so therefore it, the, the whole feel of it was different but um, 
obviously there were several young players that played in that game and I thought Foden to be honest was the most anonymous of of the young players you know if you if he didn't have the sort of love of the fans which he undoubtedly has and the repu- growing reputation that he's got um, and you he was that was his first game as a youngster I don't think you would single him out and go oh he looks a good player because he did anything in that game that was particularly special or different whereas Perveda who played on the left hand side did a couple of um, little intricate movement passing movements that reminded me a little bit of Bernardo Silva um, so, so and whilst I don't want to get too carried away by I've seen Perveda play several times not in the first team and I know he's got ability um, I saw enough in that to think yeah yeah you know very good uh, Sandler I'm so sure Stuart will wax lyrical about because he was his man of the match also had a very good game and and uh, thought he you know he he caught my eye um, after actually watching him at Rochdale and not being sure about him Garcia who's uh, who's clearly got quality and very much fits a, a Pep Guardiola team um, whilst he slipped a couple of times as he got icy later on and maybe lost a little confidence from that overall I thought he played very very well Nemecha when he came on um, I think looked, looked very silky and, and showed some great ability and the one the one of the players and, and this isn't again I'm not, I'm not having a go at anybody you know, yes, but you are. <laughs> but but Foden didn't catch my eye, and and to be honest with you, in the last few games he's played, he hasn't. And I, I don't know whether he's, he's been affected by the long term contracts he's got, by the hype that he's got. I have no idea, but he's just not at the moment um, living up to the the massive hype that people are giving him. Maybe that's weighing heavily on his shoulders. Um, maybe I, I've felt although Pep clearly massively disagrees and. He knows far better than me. I can't help thinking he'd be better out, out of the city spotlight for half a season or a, a season spell, to go go on loan where, where people are not expecting massive heights like all the time. But I think it'd be good for him as well to go to a team and play regular football where he is one of the better players rather than having to fight for his way up. I think, like you said, confidence had a big part. Even in the games, you can lose confidence so quickly. But I feel if you go into a game, have a good opening five minutes, when you start in a game, it can get it can just snowball. In. And he never gets any rhythm because he comes in, he might yeah. play again uh, against Burnley at the weekend. But then after that, he, he, you know, uh, obviously if City get through to the four, uh, fifth round of the FA Cup, then he might play in that again. But I wouldn't imagine he'll start the, the Carabao Cup final. I'd imagine that League Cup final now will be City's strongest 11 no disrespect but he's not going to be in that starting 11 so he, he loses that rhythm he doesn't play in the under 21s he doesn't play in the under 23s because he trains with the first team squad and I think match rhythm is important I mean Mares played in that game and that was the first time he'd played for three three matches you know certainly missed three league games anyway and whatever you like or dislike about Riyad Mahrez his defence will be that he's not playing regularly so he's not getting that rhythm in the team and and that that can be quite and that's that's clearly why Kevin De Bruyne played at, in that game because they're trying to get his match rhythm back and they could have rested him in that game I think he'll probably play against Burnley as well um, if only for 60 minutes because they're trying to get that match rhythm back into him aren't they yeah you made a good point, I think, Rich, about going out on loan where he would be the main man, you know, if he's playing for a low division club or, mm. you know, one of the lesser lights abroad. Uh, and then everybody's looking at him to, to be the main man. Um, even in that, I thought on the weight of the game last night, this could be Foden's night because, you know, people might be looking to him to be the main man in midfield and he, he'll take that on his shoulders and... Mm. As he always did do in the in the academy, he was always the best midfielder, whatever level he played at in the academy. So he always took it upon himself to be the one who won the game for City, and he, he did that time and time again. Um, but then you move up to first team level, and you've got Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva and Bernardo Silva and Fernandinho <laughs> and these players around you. That isn't going, you know, unless you unless you're Messi, or, you know, you're not going to sort of go out there and think, right, I'm going to I'm going to boss this game. You're going to go out there and say, well. These these are world class players, they're strong characters, and even last night when you see the the team, uh, he's in there with Kevin De Bruyne, he's in there with Fabian Delph, who's an England international, uh, a senior England international, uh, and is also an extremely strong character. 
you know, um, I'm a good player. Um, so he's still he's still not the main man. He's still not the one who's going to say, right, I'm taking this game by the scruff of the neck. So you might be right in terms of going out and going out on loan and, and having to take that responsibility. It might be the next step in his development, but I don't think Pep's going to do that. No, it's a different matter. And I, I think this is part of the problem that Ilkay Gundogan's had as well. You know, and this is a Germany international. And somebody, he's got some who's very big goals last season as well. He's, he's I think he doesn't maybe didn't get the credit he deserves sometimes Ilkay Gundogan. Yeah, I, 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 do, I think that as well. I think that, but I also think we've not seen the best of him at City because when he was at Dortmund, he was the main man. He was the, he was the best player. He was the best midfield. He's come to City and he isn't. You know, if City play the strongest team, he's not in the team. And I think he perhaps feels that a little bit. Uh, Fernandinho was similar when he played with Ayar Torre. He didn't, although he was a very good player and everyone appreciated him from, from his very first season, we haven't seen the real Fernandinho until Yaya Torre stepped aside. I think that when Yaya Torre stepped aside, Fernandinho blossomed from being a good player into being a world-class player, the best at, in that role certainly in the Premier League and there's not not many better in, in world football I don't think um, despite the fact he, he rarely gets the recognition that he deserves um, so you know Fernandinho had that to a limited extent I think Gundogan's had it but then we expect an 18 year old in Phil Foden to come in and do that and you might be right in terms of it, it, despite what, what Pep, Pep's plans for him are going away from City and, and just playing somewhere else where there isn't that spotlight and there isn't that pressure that everyone's expecting this wonder kid to do something amazing you know that he might just take it on board and he might feel right well I'm the main man here and if he gets a manager who puts that trust in him because of his ability well you know he, he, he might just sort of bring him on a little bit yeah and I guess like you said it's just a, a difficult one especially when you, you, you're so invested in the club like Phil is it's not as if he is some maybe someone who's come from another youth academy he's City through and through so maybe even the prospect of leaving City on loan is something that you wouldn't even want to discuss with him but that's understandable you mentioned there were players that are going to excel in whenever people have left in, in the limelight City's need a new centre-back you said Sandler was your mile of match against Burton and Eric Garcia played well as, again do you think there is a future at City for both of them? Well, yeah, from what I've seen, I mean, the day before the game, we were, everyone was asking about Garcia because he, he did well at Leicester in the in the previous round. Um, and, you know, it's clear that Pep really, really likes him and really rates him. So the press conference the day before the game, we all asked about Garcia. Nobody mentioned Sandler, who's three years older than Garcia, four inches taller than him, a little bit stronger, and... Is very good with his feet as well. You know, this is the Garcia's main thing is that he's a smart defender, and that he's he's an excellent passer. You know, he could probably play in midfield. In fact, I've had people tweeting me in the last twenty four hours saying, "Why don't he convert Garcia into a defensive midfielder? You know, make he, he could be Fernandinho's replacement eventually." But I, I, you do that and you lose a good defender if you do that. But I, I take the point. He has got he's got the attributes to play in that position possibly. But Sandler, uh, six foot two, he looked pretty strong, quite an elegant player. Um, I've seen him playing in a youth level. I mean, at Barnsley in the Checker Trade Trophy, he was he was passing the ball along his six yard box to the goalkeeper. You know, totally unfazed. You know, it was quite a big night for for those lads, and he was completely unfazed by by that and just stuck to what what he'd been told to. Um, I know inevitably because he's from Holland he's become the next Virgil van Dijk you know people making that comparison which is unfair on any player I yeah. think because van Dijk is, is world class but um, having seen him last night playing that in, playing his natural position um, I can see why that comparison is made because he's got he's got similar attributes to van Dijk Perhaps he, physically he's not quite, you know, not quite what Van Dijk is, uh, and we didn't really see see his pace tested. I don't think you know that'll come against better opposition. But I thought that he looked he looked very very good. Um, I do I do my player ratings, and going into the last five or ten minutes, I had several players on seven, uh, including Sandler and including Felix Nemechi, who we need to talk about. Um, <laughs> But then in the last five or ten minutes, when you'd expect a young player to start flagging a little bit, maybe lose concentration, 
he did a couple of things defensively. He, he won a big header um, and he also brought the ball out in a tricky situation. Um, and he, he just defended well on Burton were really pushing and trying to get that consolation goal he wanted uh, that just made me think yeah actually you know he, I'm going to bump him up and I bumped him up to an 8 um, which made him the man of the match and uh, I, I think he's got a big future I mean it, it, it's difficult really because obviously we've got Otamendi and company who are like the old guard yeah. who saw the title home last season Stones and Laporte are now coming through. They're, you know, we're expecting them to be the, the centre back pairing for for the next five years, maybe. Then you've got you're looking at Sandler and Garcia, a 21 year old and a and a, an 18 year old. But then uh, he's going to kick me for this. But <laughs> there's a young lad uh, playing in the under 18s. He played in the Czech Trade Trophy. I mean, it, it, the fact that his mum and dad are pals of mine is nothing to do with it because <laughs> he is he is a quality centre back. A young lad called Taylor Harwood Bellis, uh, who's who's an England youth international, and he was he was City's best player in that game up at Sunderland on on Tuesday night for my money. I thought it was absolutely excellent. Uh, I don't think he put a single pass wrong, and he was he was playing forward passes, playing balls inside defenders for, for, for left wingers and stuff like that. And he's he's partnered both Sand I think he's partnered Sandler, he's definitely partnered Garcia. He's mm. a similar age, he's a little bit younger, but he's six foot two. He's aggressive you know, he's aggressive when he needs to be, but he's got a lovely football football brain. Uh, his dad tells me he gets it from him but I'm not so sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, this sort of Generations, it's it's like there's 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 players coming through all the time, and you're getting pushed from behind. Um, we mentioned Lucas Nemecha. I don't really want to go on and talk about him because Felix. Yeah, well, said I Lucas. Say, I said Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, there's, there's too many Nemechas. That's the point. <laughs> um, and of course, he's. Uh, we talked about players being pushed. Foden plays in a similar position. Mm -hmm. And he'll see Felix Nemecha come onto the field, and I thought he made a difference. Felix Nemecha, I thought he came on and lit the place up. Uh, so you know, if Foden doesn't get his skates on and start start performing a little bit or, or doing something, he's going to start getting pushed from behind. It's always a way at a club like City. There's always somebody else coming through. There's always some somebody new coming through, pushing you from behind. You're getting pulled from the front, and you're getting pushed from behind. So uh, you know it's it's the way it's got to be, but it's tough. It's tough to, to deal with. I'm sure you saw the tweet from Felix Nemetra. It's worth mentioning this actually, because he tweeted after the game, so grateful and happy uh, for my city debut after supporting and playing for this amazing club since I was eight. Yeah. So yeah. Um, although he has a name Nemetra, and I think he had, his origins are German, French, yeah. are they? Or the German? Yeah. I, I met his dad actually uh, because obviously. Um, you know, the two Nemechas, um, uh, have been playing in City's Academy for some time and I've met his dad and his, his, his dad is effervescent. He's a, he's a lovely fella. Um, really obviously proud as you would be, just like uh, Martin will be of, of Howard Bellis, his son. Um, but um, he... he he, he obviously is a is a proper City fan, just like Phil Foden is. So uh, that gives a lot of goodwill towards a player. Everybody who's a City fan wants to see somebody who talks like that, who mm -hmm. thinks like that, who has that background uh, come through. Um, so don't you know don't, that that will all gather momentum as fans see him tweet things like that. That will endear him mm. to them just as much as as it's done to Phil Foden. Yeah, and the fact that he came on and, and he, he's, he sort of, he glides over the, he does. the pitch, doesn't he? He's a beautiful he's a athlete. Touch. He's, yeah. he, was, he was picking his passes, he was playing in intricate little little passing moves. And I thought that Pervader looked better with him on the field, actually. Mm. I, I thought he started to, that's when he, he started to, to play a little bit more. Uh, so that's a good sign if you bring in the best out of other players as well. And I think he did that when he came on. Uh, and he was—he didn't look phased at all. No, so, you know, no. this is his debut. It, he actually did go out and say, say to himself, "Right, I'm going to show people what I can do it." And he wasn't on for very long, but I think he did that. You know, and Pep will have noticed that. Pep will have taken note of that, and uh, hopefully the lad will we'll see the lad again because he's one of those. From what we've seen of him, he's one of those footballers you just enjoy watching. Absolutely. 
Who would have known a 1-0 away win at Burton would have so much to talk about? It's oh. now time for the half-time teaser in today's Talking City podcast. Uh, maybe this will be one for you City fans. A very easy one to kickstart this feature. This feature will be coming back every week. Hopefully it gets progressively harder. Hopefully we can catch them out here and now. But for now, as we go into the break, which current City player has had the most appearances for the club in the Premier League? We'll be back after the break where I expect Stu to be right on the ball with his answer. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Ian and Stu are still with me. And Stu, do you have the answer? Which current City player has the most appearances in the Premier League? I have the answer only because I wrote about it last week, probably. Well, why have we asked him? Should we ask Cheesy instead, then? (laughs) Uh, I thought Sergio Aguero might be uh, getting up there now. It's a player who's been at the club a season longer than Sergio Aguero. Vincent Company. No, Vinny's been there about what two or more than two seasons more. Anyway, see, I've been injured and people think more. I'm the fountain of all knowledge. Stats are not my thing. We'll edit this out, Ian. It's fine. Don't <laughs> worry. They'll still think you're the fountain of knowledge. <laughs> Stu, do you want to put him out of his misery? David Silver. David Silver, 268, but company and Aguero are very close runners in that one, Ian. So Just there's no shame. Don't worry. <laughs> put that into perspective for uh, for those people who say that City have got no history. It's a brilliant achievement, 268 and breaking the Premier League record. But in terms of all-time league appearances, he's he's still some way short of halfway of the City record, which is Alan Oakes, who Ian will remember, uh, played in that great 60, 60 City team. Uh, and he's got, I think he's like 606 in total or something like that. So that, you know, although Davy Silva's been a great servant, he's got a long way to go to start catching up with Alan. To be fair to David, top player as well. To be fair to David Silva, he used to play um, 42 games in those days, so there was four more extra league games, wasn't there, every season? Yeah, but the, the, I know yeah, that's not. Yeah, all, that's they might not no, seem yeah. a lot, but over 10 years, that's another. Yeah. 40, isn't it? <laughs> Quick maths as well. On the top yeah, it'd be an old podcast. man if he beats Alan Oakes' record. True, yeah. true. That'd be a treat for City fans here. 60 year old David Silver in the Carabao Cup. I wouldn't really mount. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. But a uh, player we will have to rule out, Stu. This is one that I'm sure the fans will be keen to ask you about. Frankie de Jong. He's finally made his move, his pre agreement for a summer move to, to Barcelona. Um, just how interested were City actually in Frankie de Jong? Was the, was the hype yeah. real? Yeah, very interested. Um, I mean, Pep repeatedly said that they weren't going to try and sign anyone in the January window, and I think City probably would have liked to have left it until summer, and De Jong was was the main target, no doubt about that. Um, and it, the fact that, that Barcelona stepped in for him um, meant that they, they had to try and get him in, in this window, but I don't think they ever stood a great chance. I, I remember in, a week or two ago, Pep in his press conference he wasn't. He may. He said, "I'm not referring to the Ajax player," but he did say something along the lines of, "When you get into a transfer war with Barcelona or Real Madrid, you don't win." Um, you know, it's, it's such a massive attraction, certainly for a, a player from somewhere like Ajax. You know, um, there's no disrespect to City. You do attract big players these days. But if, if you're that young lad, you know, the allure of going to play for Barcelona is still bigger than, than playing for City. Um, and I think he, he had his heart sat in it. And then when you, you sort of see the figures. Um, it's 65 million straight. That's the basic fee going up to 75 million. City are not competing in that market, really. You know, it would have been a club record fee for City. It would have been. Um, people, so people who talk about City splashing the money they don't spend that, you know, 60 million for Riyad Mahrez, um, that was a bit of a one-off and they didn't really buy anybody else, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't part of a, a major spend, that was just, just a bit of a one-off spend. Um, so that, and also his wages, I mean, I understand that he's on north of £300,000 a week at Barcelona and that's that's without bonuses, so you're talking a lot. Um, City's top earner, I'm reliably informed is Kevin De Bruyne who's on about £250,000 so if you bring in Frankie de Jong and give him you know more 60 grand else. more than Kevin De Bruyne who's an established uh, and well proven performer um, 
I think Kevin De Bruyne might just turn around and say, hang on a minute, you know, and everybody else, every other top player will be doing the same. So then your wage structure is is un, under threat, you know, and it, it can cause problems. I mean, there's nobody at City who would look at, look at Kevin De Bruyne and think, well, I should be on the same as him. I don't think. I think they, they recognise the fact that he's there on merit. Um, but a lad coming from outside, he hasn't actually proved anything yet. Um it, it, it causes a problem in terms of your wage structure. Not only that, City have got to be careful. You know, they, they've still got to meet financial fair play um, limits and so on. So uh, they, they don't want to be they don't want to be splashing out money. They don't need to. So I think that the the pursuit of him uh, wasn't that strong. Once once they realised the kind of figures that they were talking, they would have liked him. We know that Pep really really liked him. Um, but he's he's guided by financial things as as well as the fact that the player wanted to go to Barcelona. So it didn't happen, and they're going to have to. I don't. I don't think they're going to look at another another midfielder in this window. I don't think there's one out there who who they who they think could come in and do a job right from the off. Yes. So, but it's something they've still got to address in the summer. Yeah, and it's, of course now for City as well it's a principle of not just buying a player for the sake of buying a player because you mm-hmm. missed out on Frank Jones. you don't want to just go and splash the cash on someone else who might not be the same quality of player a player they believe can go into the first team just as much but that's in terms of players arriving uh, maybe a bit worrying for City fans this week the, the comments about Nicholas Otamendi unhappy I guess obviously anyone's going to be unhappy with their lack of playing time at City but um, he was such a pivotal figure last season that goal at Old Trafford he was the superhero for City fans the but general it looks like his uh, City time is, is dwindling at the moment it looks like a lack of playing time you can understand his frustrations can't you Ian but, but sad to the see. good thing is that City are in all these competitions which uh, allows for more playing time for every player than they might otherwise get but now ironically as we all wish for them to all be fit that causes a whole different problem because keeping people happy is is a major issue. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's sort of rumours that Riyad Mahrez, you know, isn't happy at the moment. That he's not playing more games, and he's the he's the record signing. So it's, it's that's one of the problems that you have you have at a. That's why Pep actually likes to have a relatively small senior squad, as it were, to work with, uh, because he he realises how difficult it is to keep everybody happy. But I, I mean, if I if I can, I, I want to go slightly back to what Stuart was saying because the elephant in the room here, which is you know what Stuart said really is FFP I just find it strange and interesting that there is a perception out there that City are the richest club in the world which maybe they are they can go out and buy whoever they want and I you know I heard Burton fans last night I heard fans at Huddersfield at the weekend you know when you when you're walking around the corridors and you hear them talking to each other and they say well what do you expect they can go out and buy whoever they want and that is still the perception that people have out there um, but it's just not the case you know the way that FFP works is that you know clubs you know if if, if Oldham Athletic got a, a new benefactor tomorrow he couldn't go out and just buy 10 100 million pound players and make them a great club because FFP doesn't allow that now what City did and 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 I know there's lots of people who know this already but stating the obvious is that they went out just before FFP took full effect and bought themselves a seat at the top table by splashing a lot of cash but I believe in the old days I was a shareholder and I used to go to the shareholders meeting, meetings and whilst I'm I'm not an expert at this sort of stuff I wouldn't profess to be I understood the, this um, this sort of concept of amortisation and spreading the cost of a player over four or five years rather so so when you when you hear City have bought a player for 60 million like Riyad Mahrez they didn't that 60 million is spread in in, in banking terms over the duration of, of his contract so when City have gone out and bought different players in the last few years they've spread each one of them in their accounts and in the way that they report back to, to UEFA and FIFA and everybody um, it, over a period of time so actually my suspicion is that they're already at the limit of where they can be so whilst Pep doesn't want to sit there and go 
we haven't got the money, we can't spend it, you know, our hands are tied, we can't compete, because that gives a competitive advantage to the teams who are in the in the market with you. And of course, there are all sorts of, you know, conspiracy theories and, and, and different clubs have different ways of fiddling this, that and the other. But if, you, if you're playing by the rules and you're trying to do it right, actually manipulating your way around this FFP is far more complex and complicated than you think. And with all the talk in the last three or four months of City being under more investigation, it does make me wonder whether the behind the scenes, you know, there may, and I can't, I'm not saying this is true, but there may be sort of deals being done, you know, conversations being had. Well, if you, if you were to go out and spend some more money now and buy somebody for City, we might look into this a bit more. Whereas if you just, you know, for a while at least, keep your head below the water, then we might just let this ride. And I can't help thinking this is happening. And it feels like that is a massive elephant in the room. So we can talk about, you know, City might have wanted Frankie de Jong. And obviously he may have preferred to go to Barcelona, better weather, better perception of, of, of a club, different footballing, whatever the reason is. And that is a valid argument. Um, and the wage structure is a very valid point as well that Stuart makes. But I, I also think that, that there is another element to it. They missed out on Jorginho. They've arguably missed out on Fred. Um, Sanchez. San, like yeah, they didn't want to break the bank for because... Be, but said, but didn't, it's not... What I'm saying is it, maybe it's not just <clears throat> not wanting to break the bank. It's not being able to bring, break the bank. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I, I think... What City have got to do, and I think Pep hinted at this when he was when he was talking, when he was referring to Frankie De Jong when he claimed he wasn't. Um, he, he said that you know when, when I, I said that he talked about when you're in competition with Barcelona and Real Madrid you don't win. Um, and his next comment was, "We have to be sharper and quicker." Now to me that that sounds like he's talking about a scouting issue. He's sort of saying we've got to be we've got to get in there quicker so maybe if they'd gone for Frankie de Jong a year ago if they'd scouted him and done the research a year ago and thought yeah he's he's a player uh we go for him they might have got him for a lot less money and they, they might have got him before Barcelona woke up to his potential which is effectively what they've done with Garcia with Sandler and yes. you know these young players yeah, are trying to recruit him that yeah. bit earlier yeah, aren't there's they? an element of risk in it because you never know when you're getting that little bit younger I mean everyone could see that Frankie de Jong you know his quality although having said that he pays playing 65 million pound he's only done it in Eredivisie course, you know he's not done it in in La Liga yet so you never know so there's always an element of risk and the younger you go for them the younger you recognise the potential the greater the risk because you of course, know how the yeah. is going to develop but I think that's what Pep's talking about I think he's sort of saying right we're not going to win these battles so we need to get a little bit earlier be sharper and quicker off the mark in terms of getting the player in and uh, developing them ourselves City are doing that but He's sort of saying we need to do that with, with the likes of the young as well as some of the other the youngsters. Hmm. Yeah, I think also as a young player, you do remember if a team has been caught on you for a while and you'll often get this this sort of rhetoric of people saying, well, they've always wanted me. That's why I chose to go to them because they've always had an interest. And I guess showing that and being enthusiastic from, from maybe a younger age could, could benefit City because nobody would not want to work with Pep Guardiola and play for this current Man City side. But as you said, who knows the what's going on behind the scenes. But. Here's another little one that I'll throw in. And, and this isn't meant to be a scare story or anything, but we're now um, halfway, th- just over halfway through the current arrangement that Pep Guardiola has at City. So obviously he came in on a three-year deal. He extended it by two, meaning five. We've just passed two and a half years of Pep Guardiola. Eventually, especially the young players, so if you're courting a player who is is 18, mm. uh, you know, a Garcia, and you're saying, come to me, I'll bring you through, eventually the players start to say, but how long are you going to be here, Pep? Because when you move on, since you were the big attraction to me coming, I might now actually play regularly in your team because you'll be gone. Now those conversations might be happening privately and it might be that whilst he wouldn't want to say it, Pep's already told the owners that, you know, I'm happy to stay for 10 and he might be able to sit down with Garcia and say that and we wouldn't be party to that. But I'm sure that's got to eventually, it's not so much for the current player, you can go and attract Frankie de Jong and say you've got Pep Guardiola as manager and you know if you come in, in theory you've got 
to at least two and a half years working with Pep Guardiola in the first team. And then who knows, things change anyway. But if you're a very young player that you're trying to attract, you, you eventually have to attract them on the basis of the club, the club philosophy, the club direction, rather than the individual manager, because we don't know what the future is with that manager. Yeah, we don't. We shall see. You might get Nigel the young back. You never know. <laughs> he was be, very popular, wasn't he? he was. would, would that be a nice compromise for you? <laughs> no, <laughs> not now. <laughs> you said you wanted someone to success, succeed for Nardinho, maybe, maybe not. Well, I mean, da- Nigel the young at the time was a, a great asset and a great player yeah, to come into City. He did tweet this week as well about his anniversary of signing for City, which I know the, the supporters loved. And well, you know what? I remember um, the day that he came in. Um, Chris Bailey, who was obviously uh, Stuart's predecessor in this role at the MEN, and I were invited to fly down to Tenerife in a private jet with Nigel de Jong uh, and a couple of people from City. Um, and uh, before it was sort of really revealed or before he, anything was much was known about it. So we're, we're sitting there sipping champagne and eating canapes and everything on this... Uh, the, the, for a day trip to Tenerife to interview... Mark Hughes I think Richard Dunn at the time and new signing Nigel de Jong so there's an experience I'll never forget and I found out that Nigel de Jong's a huge boxing fan and all the way flying down to Tenerife he's watching videos of, of Mike Tyson or whatever on his <laughs> laptop and we're all going oh, I'm a bit of a boxing fan are you there Nigel and you don't get that insight very often do you so it was uh, a trip I'll never forget that's fascinating. Let's hope you get it if City buy someone again soon. Let's hope you're whisked away. Who knows where it will to be? But I came back with Chris, by the way, on the normal flight, the cheap seats, twenty, and it was twenty four. We arrived at six in the morning, um, and and like caught a few Zeds, and then did our interviews and whatnot. And by six o'clock that night. So 12 hours we were in Tenerife. We were back on a normal plane um, in the cheap seat, squashed up together, back coming back. Comp- yeah. No champagne, no canopies. What was going on? No Mike Tyson videos on your, <laughs> no. on your iPad. Oh, well, pity. You don't. Maybe we'll get a crowdfunder going for you to have private jets everywhere you go in that cheesy because I know the uh, the city supporters will be bleeding their hearts out at the moment. The I'm sure they will, out. yeah. But we should, we should say... But, um, you won't be getting a private jet to the game against Burnley at home this weekend anyway. No, no. no. Anyway, hope it's not on our expenses anyway, if you are. <laughs> but uh, another game in the FA Cup, and as you said, it's it's a trophy City are, are keen to win. They always want to win every trophy possible. Maybe after the uh, the embarrassment of not being knocked out by by Wigan uh, last season they're even hungrier to, to put things it, well, right well you know season. Pep's mentioned Wigan a couple of times in press conferences hasn't he because I, I think that hurts him Yeah. Uh, and judging by the team that he put out against Rotherham who you I didn't expect the strength of team that he put out against Rotherham um, I think he'll do the same thing against Burnley I really do I think you'll see you know uh, Silver's coming back in and San I don't know whether he'll pick them all because obviously there's Newcastle to think about next Tuesday uh, but I can see a scenario where you know a lot of the the main players will come in I think Fernandinho might be the one I'd expect to be missing um, but I, I can see Gundogan playing in that position I think Edison could 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 can come come back in goal I think it'll be a very very strong team because because Pep wants to win the FA Cup um, he wants to win every trophy and whilst you look at Liverpool and and you know, you, you think, did they just get out of the FA Cup and the League Cup because it, it gave them more time and effort to concentrate on the league? You can't prove it. And obviously Klopp's denied that. But I can't help thinking that is the case. Uh, whereas Pep's um, whole attitude is keep the squad balanced, go for another trophy and all. And, and I agree with him. Go for it. Why not? Don't insult the fans. Go for it. And from what I'm hearing, um, it could well be a sellout against Burnley at the Etihad as well, which is great news, you know. Three o'clock on a Saturday. Bring it on. Fever's back. (laughs) The magic of the cup. Uh, Do you think the same, Stu? Uh, A strong side for City. Can't afford any complacency. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, there's a a game at Newcastle in the league just a few days later, so that'll, that'll sort of feed into it. But he's got hardly any injury difficulties at the moment so he's got enough players to, to deal with both to put a strong team out on Saturday and then put another perhaps his strongest team out on Tuesday um, I think I mean you look at the cup the City won it in 2011 obviously to end the, the drought 
uh, you know, 35 years without winning something. But they've not really. I mean, they got to the final in 2013 and lost to that team that Pep likes to mention a lot. <laughs> we, we won't mention by name. Um, but they've not really made an impression. They've not won it since 2011. Yeah. You kind of think <coughs> Surprise, seven, eight years for a, a club like City. They've won the League Cup three times in, in that time. So and it, it is still a prestigious trophy. And you, Pep wants to make his mark at English football. Uh, he's already won the League Cup he's won the League the FA Cup's the final one in the collection so he'll want to win that I thought it was interesting in the last round against Rotherham that he did play Edison rather than Aaron Muric everyone thought he was a shoo-in Aaron Muric is the cup goalkeeper the fact he played Edison you kind of think is he is he giving the FA Cup a little bit more emphasis perhaps for that reason perhaps because he wants it you know he knows it's, it's a showpiece game at the end of the English season um, perhaps it's a, a chance to, to win the final English trophy that he hasn't got um, and also give give the City fans a big day I mean it's a, the FA Cup's a better day out isn't it let's face it I mean the League Cup's great and everyone enjoys it but the FA Cup has got all that tradition and that history behind it and certainly for fans of, of our age it's, it's a lot bigger than it, than, the, than the League Cup and it's, it's a lot bigger than a lot of the younger fans think it is so uh yeah, I think he'll 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 go strong against Burnley, um, but then go stronger again against Newcastle in the league. As a younger fan, I absolutely love the FA Cup. I'll put that on record. Well, that's that's Wrexham, though, isn't it? That's all we've got. That's all we've got. Well, never season gone. We'll be back next year. At least you've got something to be happy about, cheesy. You're still maybe might see your team win a trophy this season. How? Well, they're one game away from winning a trophy. Um, you know, so obviously jealous. we'll find out whether it's Chelsea or Tottenham very soon. But um, yeah, find like out Thursday night, which is tonight. This is recorded on Thursday morning. Just seen that's why we haven't referred to the Carabao Cup final. If you listen to this after, because we have no idea who it's going to be. But whoever it is going to be is going to be a tricky test, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 obviously I always look at things from a fan's perspective as well. And whilst the FA Cup is the is the 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 bigger of the two trophies actually more fans get a chance to go to the League Cup final because the the way that tickets are distributed um, so that that means that you know people who might not all, always be able to get an FA Cup final ticket can go to a League Cup final so uh, on that basis um, it you know it is I know it sounds a bit cliche to say a people's final but it feels a little bit more of a people's yeah. final um, more inclusive I guess as an event isn't it for some yeah, fans as you, yeah. as you said which so it's whether you value the the inclusiveness or the prestige and the other thing I suppose about the FA Cup final is that uh, and now this is being wildly optimistic but if City get to the Champions League final this year there will actually there be a goes. gap between the Brighton game which is the last match of the season in the league and the Champions League final which is two weeks later and it would be nice to have an FA Cup final um, in the middle of that rather than a two week gap and while some people might think well it's good to have a two week gap get everybody fresh you know there is a danger you could just lose a bit of momentum you know so I'd personally if I'm really dreaming have an FA Cup final followed by a Champions League final in that last two weeks of the season but I'm getting carried away now. I'm getting carried away. We've got the small matter of Burnley this weekend and who knows what could happen. Exactly. When that happens. But that's the beauty of the football and we shall see. And we will be back next week to review what happened at Burnley and I think probably it'll be after the Newcastle game as well. So who knows where City will be a week from now. They could be closer to Ian's treble dream or they could be in tatters. But about the quadruple? Uh, keeping it alive well we had a well, let's not get on to this again we had a conversation <laughs> about winning six trophies uh, earlier in the week but now the checker trade's out of the uh, the window we won't even get into the <laughs> well, the community into the talk on the sex duplet but uh, <laughs> oh well that's for another episode Ch- Ian thank you very much for, My pleasure. for joining me today Stu thank you again as always please make sure to subscribe to the Talking City podcast if you haven't already and please do leave us a review and join us again next week